0: Welcome back to the Back in Time podcast, and welcome to a very special episode. This is a retro episode of the movie Uncle Buck, and we are going way back into the DeLorean here. This was uh, originally came out on uh, April 25th of 2018, so it's been uh, over two years since you guys have last heard this episode and uh the, this was a movie that as a kid, you know, growing up in the 90s and this was kind of like a late uh, to mid 80s movie. I I really loved Uncle buck I was just telling my wife this week we saw Tenet in theaters and I'm sure Tenet like from a structural standpoint, from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, from a storytelling standpoint, all those things. I'm sure it's a great movie. However, It's not a movie that I think I'll ever watch again. Maybe one more time. I've watched Uncle Buck 150 times, at least. I mean, this is a movie that I wore the VHS out on. I bought the DVD. I bought the Blu-ray. And I just, I love this movie. I love the story about this uncle because I had an uncle growing up as well. His name was Bear. We call him Uncle Bear. And he was a lot like the Uncle Buck character a lot of times. Was a single guy. Would just kind of come in and out. And a uh, big personality type of guy. And I just really related to this movie. And I hope you guys love it. I, I We had a lot of fun making this episode. I know JD tells a, a funny story about his days as a student. And the uh, the school lunches that he would have. So uh, enjoy this retro episode. We're going to be putting out another Uh, top five episode as well later in the week we're going to do a retro episode of the top five most underrated 80s movies and then we'll be dropping the teaser trailer for Spaceballs and the full review so stay tuned and enjoy this episode from our archives Uncle Buck Okay we are back from the bathroom break and we're about to begin the Uncle Buck review. JD you still with me?
1: In mind, in body, in spirit, in penis, absolutely.
0: So the film begins. We have a shot of Tia walking down the sidewalk to her house. The house looks very familiar here. Kind of looks like the exact house they use in Home Alone, but it's, it's a little different. A bus pulls up next, Maisie gets off, and we see Miles running behind the house. So we've got three of our main characters here. JD, first thoughts on the kids here.
1: I love that you mentioned the Home Alone vibe because both of these movies set up like a similar aesthetic in terms of the neighborhood, the environment, and the children. So, like, that was my reaction.
0: Hey, J.D., what's your favorite Macaulay Culkin movie? And why is it Richie Rich?
1: Ooh, it's actually The Good Son. I'm waiting for your you're like, oh, I forgot about that movie. That's a great best movie. But, you know, everything's subjective. You know, the good son with him versus Elijah Wood is an effed up movie. And somehow to get that level of performance from two children. I was
0: frightened of Macaulay Culkin after that movie. Miles enters the house. He says he was being chased by middle schoolers. Tia says Shit. Maisie says she's telling on that one Miles starts pestering Tia She grabs him by the arm And he yells your nails are digging into my arm God damn it That's pretty pretty bad language For like a nine year old isn't it Yeah
1: but it's also something that's probably Heard in many kink dungeons As like a positive
0: That's weird. Oh, oh I'm sorry you want to focus
1: there? on it Let's reverse And
0: focus on it. Yeah, Yeah totally kids shouldn't talk like that I don't know what I was thinking So they're eating dinner next. It's Chinese takeout. Tia comments, this is a wonderful dinner, mother. How do you find the time? She ignores Tia. Bob and Cindy try to make small talk with the kids, and Tia makes another smart comment. And Cindy says she's tired of her ugliness and that we are all a little tired of the act. What are your first thoughts on Tia here? My first thoughts are the same as my last thoughts about her, and it goes like this. Bitch. Yeah, she's got a lot of teenage angst and clearly some issues with her mom, which we're going to talk more about as we go along here. Yeah, we, you, I think you have, for
1: our audience, new or old, Kyle, you are a parent. And that yes. was a very great parental response. It's
0: but angst. Me, on the other hand? Bitch! So we meet Buck Russell next, played by the great John Candy. And we talked a lot about him in our Cool Runnings episode in the archives. What did you think about him in this role as Uncle Buck? Instantly in love with him as Buck
1: Russell. Like, we discussed earlier about how John Goodman was up for the role, like all the different actors. But when you actually see John Candy in this seat, it can't be anyone else. It can't. He is literally Uncle Buck. And everyone and every family
0: has an Uncle Buck, and they will forever be John Candy. So Buck is talking with his girlfriend Shanice next. He says, I'm just going to say it. I'm not excited about going to work for my girlfriend. Shanice says she can't help herself. She wants to be married. She wants kids. But the clock is ticking. Buck says, I know what I like. I like my friends. I like my freedom. I like knowing that I can throw my sticks in the trunk and go golfing anytime I want. JD, this is pretty much every man's dream, right? Not being tied down. You don't have the family. You can go golf anytime you want or you know whatever your choice of letting some steam off.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we've come so far as humanity to get to 2018 to look at The diversity and gender and all of that, you know, mumbo jumbo and buzz terms. But at the end of the day, a guy wants to be able to throw his golf clubs in the trunk or, you know, a a horny teenager. We'll get to that later and just blow off some steam. I think, you know, you've probably done it many times. I've done it many times. It's just ah, it's a thing. It's a thing to our female listeners. Maybe you're, you're in a new relationship with a guy. Let him blow off steam. It's a thing. Literally a thing.
0: It's late at night next. Everyone's sleeping and the phone rings. Bob answers and says, hello. Oh, God. Cindy wants to know what's happening. He says, it's your dad. He's had a heart attack. Downstairs, they're trying to figure out who's going to watch the kids. Bob tells her not to get down on herself. It's not her fault because we moved. Bob says, I have an idea. What about Buck? Cindy does not feel comfortable at all. The trashy people he hangs out with, the lady that sells tires. Can you imagine him in this house? Tia confronts her mom next. She says, if my whole family moved away from me, I'd have a heart attack too. Miles doesn't want to stay with the Nevils. He says, the dogs are ball sniffers. His dad comes over and tells him to go back to bed. Miles says, what's the other word for balls? Ah, nuts. Bob and Cindy decide to call Buck finally. He answers the phone, but he doesn't recognize who his brother is. Bob has to say, it's your brother. Oh, Bobby. Bob explains what happened to Cindy's father. Buck is very sympathetic. He agrees to help out as long as it's okay with Cindy. Buck thinks they will be coming to stay with him. Bob has to cut him off and says, I think... We would need you to come here. You know, the kids have school and Buck's like, oh, yeah, of course. What am I thinking? Yeah, I'll pack a bag and head on over. So, J.D., what do you think about the storyline here? You know, I I know Cindy's really reluctant on having Buck come, but he's the only one that picks up and, you know, he's willing to pack a bag and head over in the middle of the night.
1: You know, in terms of looking at this from a writing narrative perspective perspective, it's really well thought out. It's a great setup to bring an estranged family member back into the mix, but I can't help but relate to it from a personal matter, um, you know, being that I don't talk to my older brother who has children and totally anticipate like one day, like 10 years down the road to be like, hey, we have an emergency. You need to watch the kids. It's like a nightmare that I have like three days a week.
0: Do you think you could make the pancakes that big? I've tried. I've, I've, I've tried. I've tried to make pancakes that big. We're going to get more into the pancakes here. Buck calls Shanice. He says, honey, I have some bad news. She says, let me guess. You're not going to be at work tomorrow. Buck tries to explain, but he can't get a word in. It's just him going, wait a minute. Ah, come on. And then he's driving next in his car. I love this car. I guess they they nicknamed it the Beast, and they're guessing it's somewhere between uh, 1975 to 1978 Mercury Marquise Coupe. Uh, We'll talk more about the engine backfire here as we get into this, but JD, first uh, thoughts on that, on the car? I would have guessed
1: that its name was the Beast. Like, I wish you would have said, hey, JD, what do you think the name of the car is? Or whatever your stupid accent is. And I would have said... It's the Beast, because I have a cool accent.
0: Buck arrives at the what he thinks is Bob and Cindy's house. He starts knocking loudly. He starts yelling at the house. Yo, Bobby, open up. It's cold out here. And finally, he hears Bob yelling back. but He doesn't realize it's on the other side of the street. And it's just a back and forth of Buck, Bob, Buck, Bob. Bob is trying to keep to keep his voice down but buck's still being super loud and then we finally get him into the house and he's gonna have his first interaction with cindy so let's take a listen here of uncle buck talking with cindy hey i i
2: stopped smoking cigarettes oh good and that's something I'm onto cigars now. I'm onto a five year plan. I eliminated the cigarettes, then I go to cigars, then I go to pipes, then I go to chewing tobacco, then I'm onto that nicotine gum. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Uh, Money. I'll leave you blank checks. Oh, no, no, please. I've got lots of money. No. (laughs) No, please. No. I got the money, please. I'd I'd like to do this, all right? So. No. uh, no, No, come on, will you please? Okay, I'll pay you back when we get home. I I won't have any problem cashing a a second-party out-of-state paycheck, will I? The reason I'm saying is I've been so busy lately. I haven't been able to do my banking, and uh, I don't think there'll be a problem. Don't worry about it. Let me just leave you the checks. Well, only if it's comfortable for you. That'll be easier. I guess, sure. Do you have a plunger here while I'm thinking of these things uh, for the morning? You know, my plumbing is just so bad. Well, of course, yours is a good plumbing here, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Just don't worry about it. You know, everything will be fine. Just been bound up lately. It's 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 driving me crazy. I've been eating a lot of cheese for some reason. I don't know what it is. I got a craving for this stuff. I think maybe that's an allergy or something. Yeah. I don't know. I can't get enough cheese. I feel like a big mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know. Oh uh, well. Oh uh, well. Uh, let's see. Oh. Uh- All right, JD. What did you think of the first interaction here between Buck and Cindy? I feel like this was you talking. I, yep. we've, dis- we've discussed in previous
1: episodes your love and adoration for cheese. <laughs> um, for any and all new listeners, let's, let's do this shtick again. Kyle, what is your favorite cheese? I'm
0: going to go habanero cheddar. From Costco? No, I get it from a Amish meat market.
1: Is that like a back alley sex club
0: that you go to? No, that's the Amish 411.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, I've been there. You're right.
0: $3 lap dances, $5 all-you-can-eat chili. And free rickshaw till the sun comes up. hey yo, Buck is downstairs looking at some of the decorations. He drops a plate and it doesn't break. He picks it up and says, hmm, unbreakable. And he taps it against the table and it just shatters in the pieces. Buck is cooking breakfast next. He's singing a song while he makes the food. Tia enters and shuts off the music right away. Buck goes for a hug and expect her to be excited to see him, but she's not having it. She walks right past him, pours a cup of coffee and doesn't say anything. He says, are you hungry? He says, no. He fixes her a plate of food anyway. She says, are you deaf? I said I wasn't hungry. Buck wants to know if there's any particular reason on why she's giving him such a hard time. We see Miles enter. And he says, who are you? He tells Tia, He's cooking our garbage. He gives Miles a plate of food. Miles can't believe his eyes. Tia says she'll check with Maisie and fix him some cereal when she gets back. Buck pulls up a seat. He says, can I ask you something? Is your sister always this pleasant in the morning? Miles says, no, she's usually in a bad mood. JD, what do you think of this scene here? And uh, we get to see Miles uh, interacting with Buck for the first time.
1: Yeah, good on Miles for having, like, a great grasp on reality to be like, no, my sister's, she's usually in a bad mood. This is just her being fussy. You have sisters, by the way, right? Or a sister? I have a sister and a stepsister, yep. Is this accurate? Like, I I have two brothers, one older, one younger. I can't relate to the cranky sibling at, what, 7.02 a.m.? Dude, I don't even know the last time I saw 7.02 a.m. Mad props to Uncle Buck for being awake to make breakfast, and it looks like there's crawfish in that freaking egg scramble he's baking.
0: <laughs> it, I think it's garbage, according to Miles. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, my older sister is a bit of a crab ass in the morning. I don't mind if she hears this. She knows she is. And uh, yeah, I find that to be very true. I don't think it's just a woman thing, though. I think everybody's either you're either a morning person or you're not.
1: Again, I have not seen 7 a.m. in years. So if I had to wake up at 7 o'clock in the a.m. tomorrow, you I can guarantee I would be splashing piss and vinegar in your eyes.
0: I can guarantee you'd be splashing piss from going to the bathroom on your leg. Right too early to care. Well, I, I would be fire hosing. <laughs> I can't relate to being, you know, cranky in the morning. though. No, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's probably even annoying. Like, the alarm goes off, and I'm just like, hello, morning. And I'm just off and on the run. Really? Yeah, it's weird. I would never
1: have guessed that from you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's borderline annoying. I just, I wake up, and I'm just like, I, like, jump out of bed. I'm like, the day is here.
1: Do you remember in college, my senior year, your junior year, I overslept for an away game? Do you remember this?
0: I don't remember that, but now that you're saying it, I, I'm, it's coming back, but tell more. Uh,
1: I, we, it was somewhere in Ohio. I overslept. <laughs> my phone was going off. The alarm was going off. My roommates were like, get the fuck out of bed. And I just roll over. I'm like, what's up, y'all? And they're like, you are late for your bus, for your road trip to your football game. And I rolled into the—I didn't even put in my contacts. I spent, like, 30 seconds packing. And I come into the bus, and Newsom just grabs me by the chest. And he, like, he gives me, like, one stern punch to the sternum. And he's like, Captain DeSandro, you're late! And I was like, dude, I overslept. <laughs> That's like, I don't have to tell you. I was, I, I don't, when I'm asleep, I don't have control over waking up.
0: Yeah. My annoying ass was probably up at 6 a.m., had eaten breakfast, showered, had my hair gelled, and I was sitting there watching a movie when you got on the bus. Like, why is this guy late? No. This and I bag-
1: I rolled up to the bus. I took a Vicodin from a co-player that I shall not name that used to pass out Vicodin like candy and I
0: went right back to sleep
1: (laughs) (laughs) well done sir
0: Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On no a rent?
2: Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair than your nose than my dad. How nice of you to
0: notice. I'm a kid, that's my job. Now, in the interesting facts, JD, we talked about how John Candy had taped the script and all the lines onto his head. So uh, Macaulay Culkin could read all these. So knowing that I, I think this is a really good scene. I, I, I like this. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree. Props to Macaulay for really presenting an inquisitive kid. And I love that you laid down the facts that he's, he's reading notes, but he does a great job of being an annoying little fucker. And I think we've all, as adults, been in that position when you go to a family event, whether it be parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces. uh, Everyone has questions, and you're just sort of like, you just... uh, And you pass out your responses to the audience, to your family, to everybody that is way too interested. But John Candy nails it by being so, like, secure and so patient with macaulay calkins annoying little kid routine i hate children
0: the next scene we see buck's car pull up to the school the exhaust is smoking like crazy the car comes to a stop and it sounds exactly like a shotgun going off tia hides in the front seat buck wants to know what time he has to pick her up she says no thanks now i've got my orders what time or i'll just pick one He tells her, if you stand me up today, tomorrow, I'll walk you to your first class in my underwear. Tia says she's stunned that they're related and wants to know if anyone has ever embarrassed him like this. He pauses and thinks for a second. No, they haven't. Miles and Maisie laugh in the backseat. JD, what do you think of this scene here?
1: I personally love this scene because I can respond in many ways of having the embarrassing mother. The embarrassing father, the embarrassing stepfather, the embarrassing grandfather, the embarrassing older brother, the embarrassing uncle. I've had every person that could possibly drop
0: me off anywhere embarrass the cheese out of me. That was going to be my my question. If you have any like specific stories that stand out.
1: So I, I appreciate that you rebounded and asked for a specific story, and I want to retaliate with a positive drop-off story, if that's that's okay. Go ahead. Audience,
0: we, we like do, positivity.
1: Does the audience want to hear a happy drop-off story? And the crowd goes
2: wild.
1: There was one time when my uncle came in, and it's like a reverse Uncle Buck story. My parents had to be out of town, so my uncle came in from Indianapolis to Chicago and he had to pick me up from school and he rolled up in his bright yellow Camaro and picked me up from my kindergarten and it revved the engine. And he was like, sup, little dude. And I was like, I love everyone in my life. That's not my parents.
0: <laughs> that's cool. So you got to, to be the cool guy getting in the, the bright yellow Camaro.
1: Yeah, That's I definitely
0: That's pretty cool.
1: dug that. That was like a reverse Uncle Buck story.
0: So Buck is on the phone next with Shanice. She tells him that she needs to offer the job to someone else. Buck, I love how nonchalant here he is with his response. He's like, you know, give me a week. Let me think about it. If somebody comes by, you know, hire him part time. And, you know, if it works out, great. You know, maybe I'll do something else. And then she hangs up and she's just so angry and he has no idea that she's this pissed off. And then to top it all off, she slams her hand down on an ink pad. AD, what'd you think of this?
1: I did fully, like, I love Uncle Buck and John Candy's position in this scene. Like, I would love to be that level of no fucks given in (laughs) social or professional settings. Like, is that not, like... Like, I, I feel like that's the definition of Reddit. Like, to be like, oh, no, yeah, no, a week? It doesn't matter to me. I'm gonna get, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> you got frosted flakes and a couch and freaking daytime TV. I don't give a shit about your freaking, it doesn't matter to me.
0: So I like that you covered the next scene there because that's exactly what's happening next is Buck is sitting on the TV with the, sitting, watching TV with the dog. He's eating Frosted Flakes, and then he's got a whole mess of Frosted Flakes on his shirt. So he just grabs the vacuum and cleans it right off his his shirt. Have you ever done that, JD? I
1: haven't, but there are moments in Uncle Buck where I'm torn between, is he the laziest man ever? Or (laughs) is he the most brilliant man ever? That's a good point. (laughs) Because it's like, I would love to sit down, plug in the vacuum cleaner, and be like, I will need this in a half an hour when my cardigan is just covered in frosted flake flakes.
0: I'm going to do that. Next time I, I make some popcorn, I'm just going to hook up the vacuum. It's going to be an easy cleanup. I'll let yeah, you know you, how it goes. You know what you're going to hear from the next room.
1: Kyle, turn off that
0: vacuum! <laughs> That's exactly what my wife does, too. She always yells from the other room. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh She <shit. laughs> doesn't listen to the show it's all good <laughs> so miles is at lunch he's unpacking the uh the bag that uncle buck made him he pulls out a giant pickle i think he pulls out a can of sardines i'm not sure on that one he's got a jar of milk and then he says would anyone be interested in a possible lunch trade and everyone just like ah! and they push away from the table here's my question for you, J.D. Were you a bring a lunch to school kid or did you buy a lunch?
1: Oh, my goodness. I was either a bring a lunch to school kid or go to the principal's office and get the free school lunch. OK. So okay. they th- those are both on par. We're talking bologna sandwiches between two pieces of wheat bread with a few crumbles of American cheese. Not craft, mind you. No mustard, no mayonnaise, just yeah, just just stuff your mouth.
0: What was your favorite lunch food? Because I've got a favorite. In my ideal world? No, just from school, like going, going back to your school days. What was your favorite lunch that they would serve?
1: Oh, so you're assuming I had money to pay for the school cafeteria.
0: That's kind of what I was going for. All right, let's do, let's, <laughs> let's do that scenario. Let's go hypothetically if you could afford the lunch. So there was two
1: lunches. (laughs) There were two lunches. Yes, let's make fun of poor people. That's where we are in 2018. Making fun of poor people. There were two lunches that I was envious of. Okay, I'll do three lunches. I'll do my top three. I'm poor. I can't afford school lunch. I eat bologna (laughs) sandwiches lunch. All
0: right. I don't
1: have Michael Jordan shoes. I'm wearing bootleg starter jackets. Are you ready? Go for it. Stop laughing! Obviously, pizza day. Okay. Fridays are for pizza day—the best day of the week. But you didn't get to eat it. I didn't. Uh, quoting an Aquabat song for all of our listeners in the the privy. Okay. When the meatloaf came out, oh, my nostrils <laughs> flared for meatloaf. All right, last one. The hot turkey open face sandwich. Okay. Nice. Now, as somebody that could afford the
0: 75 cents. To I feel so bad for you. I'm trying not to laugh. When you said that you're going to have a top three of what you wish you could have eaten. So as somebody that can afford the 75 cents to put any of
1: those foods on your lunch tray, Kyle, you son of a bitch. I hate you. I will literally murder you while you're awake <laughs> or in your sleep. Tell me which of those
0: foods were the most... Selectable. All right, here it comes. I was a pork fritter sandwich with fries, chocolate milk, and gotta have the frosted cookie. That was my favorite lunch. There was a cookie. I had to pay extra for it. Keep the silence.
1: (laughs) Keep keep. No, do you do not edit out this (laughs) silence. This silence in my response stays in our podcast. There was
0: a cookie. It was an extra, like, 45 cents.
1: Oh, my goodness. I was I was going to, initially, I was going to comment on the chocolate milk. I was like, you got a drink option? <laughs> and then I found out there's a cookie option. Oh, God. What? I'm crying. What? No, you get a solo cup of water from the water fountain. And no dessert option. Maybe a maybe like a spoiled Mott's applesauce, like that's the best dessert option.
0: Your school sounds you, terrible. You got a cookie? All oh right. my gosh! Oh! Oh! oh. Let's, let's continue with the okay, story here. B- back to Uncle Buck. Back to <laughs> Uncle Buck. So Buck arrives at the school next. Tia is with her boyfriend. The engine fires. Her boyfriend says. Do you know how whipped an engine needs to be to do that? They kiss and she tells him to call her. He leans in and says, You ever heard of a (laughs) tune-up? Buck says, You ever heard of a ritual killer? (laughs) Buck says, I don't get it. You nod her face like that in public. You'll be one. (laughs) He leans in for another kiss and Buck speeds off. Tia and Buck argue as they're driving away. Buck wants to know if her parents stay out of her personal life. She says, they don't know my personal life. He asks what his name was. She says, it's Bug. Buck laughs and says, what's his last name? Spray? Tia has the best comeback, though. She said, you should talk. Buck? What do you think of this scene here with Bug?
1: When I watched this movie as a kid, I always aspired to be a Bug. I always wanted a cool nickname. You... For what it's worth, movies in, like, the 70s, 80s, mid-90s, like, really, like, amplified the coolness factor of a Bug character. But re-watching this as an adult, like, I'm throwing all of my chips at Uncle Buck. And I'm like, that's right. You mock that punk.
0: Yeah, you know, I, you know, I skipped past something here, and I, I shouldn't have. So right before this scene, Buck is at the house. He's going through the wedding album. And he sees a photo of Cindy and her husband, his brother, and he opens it up and he sees that it's kind of been folded. He pulls out the photo to reveal he's been cut out of the picture now, after this scene with Tia saying you know her parents don't know her personal life, you know just from a plot standpoint j d you know where do you think where do you think we're at here? You know the parents don't know Tia, you know they've kind of cut buck literally out of their life in in different ways. What do you think?
1: So this is like a really unique scene because we get to see Uncle Buck at a vulnerable stage. Like he unfolds the picture. He sees himself as the black sheep. He's separated both from his brother, from his brother's wife, and he's just shielded from view. And this really plays into earlier in the movie when he first shows up to the house and his niece and his nephew are kind of like, who are you? So I think that, you know, he has sort of a black sheep vendetta that he's dealing with that, you know, and as the movie progresses, we'll see a lot of that get resolved. But at this point, like, I think he's, he's looking at that pill and debating how to swallow
0: Miles is doing the dishes next. The phone rings, and he answers and tells his mom, Buck has got me busting my chops. Says he'll put some hair on my chest. Meanwhile, Buck is trying to convince Maisie that she can't sleep in the same bed as him. Miles tells Buck the phone is for him. Tia picks up and answers and says Buck is coming to the phone. And she tells her mom that you know, he's a joke. And he took off today. He left Miles and Maisie alone. And he drinks. Buck comes to the phone, he's really excited to talk to her, everything's great, the kids are awesome, oh, by the way, I've got a few questions, uh, you you got those nice plates in the uh, dining room, where'd you get those? He also wants to know how much a day a dog eats and what he drinks, he says, I've just been leaving the seat up, oh, is that what the blue water is, it's not good for him, and then the conversation ends with Cindy saying, I want you to know, that it, Really scares me very much that you're there right now. What do you think of this scene here? And um, obviously, Cindy does not feel comfortable right now with Buck.
1: It's a great evolution of the scene that we just spoke of. Like we, We have established that there's some animosity between Uncle Buck and the family. And he has to come face to face to say... You know, we, we've seen the the daughter's input, you know, and then yep. as a, a rational adult, as any irrational adult would say is everything's good. You know, the kids aren't dead. Um, they're not, you know, pushing on the street for heroin, like, you know, uh, adults. <laughs> so he's he's lying to save face for his, you know, babysitting ability. So, like, I think it's really cool to see that she stayed on the phone for a moment to hear him and then hangs up. And then to see Uncle Buck just divulge the information of, oh, the dog can drink the blue water, right? (laughs) So, like, he's like, (laughs) he completely, like, shields himself and then exposes
0: himself at the same time. Yeah, that's a good point. I like it. So, at bedtime, Mr. Sandman's playing in the background. I love that song. Do you recognize immediately when I hear that, you know, Mister Sandman? What movie do you think of? Jeepers Creepers. It might be in Jeepers Creepers, but it's for sure in the original Halloween, which is in our archives, and you guys can go back to listen to. Um, but every time I hear that song, I immediately go back to the original Halloween.
1: I think it's in the end credits of the first Jeepers Creepers, and okay. then they do they do the the full extended version of the Mister Sandman yeah bring me a tree
0: <laughs> nice so we have a montage here with the mr Sandman music playing in the background and it's buck sleeping in the bed we see miles and Maisie are in there um, they've stolen all of his sheets he keeps rolling off the bed finally he's on the floor and he's finally got some comfort in some room and then one by one we see miles and Maisie move to the floor And then the scene ends with all three of them getting back into the bed. Being a dad, this part really made me laugh. And I probably didn't care about this scene when I watched it in 1990. Because I deal with this every night. It's my son getting on the bed and me going, you got to move to the floor. Or I carry him back to his room. And then three hours later, I hear the door open and he comes running in. It's just a non-stop process. And you have nothing to say because you don't have kids. (laughs) So you're just like, yeah, okay, shut up, buddy. I mean, you know,
1: I've had a dog. The dog jumps in the bed. The dog runs the door. The dog runs the window. The dog needs a walk. The dog pisses on
0: your shoes out of spite.
1: My dog dog is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your puppies.
0: (laughs) I do have puppies right now. And they might be for sale. Check our Twitter in the next couple of days. Maybe I'll put them up there. So next we meet Marcy the Neighbor, played by Laura Metcalf. JD, do you recognize her from anything else?
1: I'm sorry, did you mean to say Aunt Jackie?
0: Yeah, that a boy. Have you watched any of the reboot? I don't know if I would even called a reboot, but like a continuation of Roseanne.
1: No, but I'm of two minds. One, I've heard it's actually really excellent.
0: I enjoyed the first episode. I, I kind of stopped watching, not because I'm not interested, but just been too busy. And two, I'm actually, I loved the original. Yeah, I liked the show. I, I was more of a married with children guy, but my, my parents always watched Roseanne and I had no problem with it.
1: Yeah, no, I loved the original. I probably made my way through Roseanne like maybe like six years ago. Nice. so i I like when it was announced when it was rolled out, I was like, "This is so cool. i tr- I attempted to do the full house revival, and that sucked. but I would give the the roseanne i i would I would invest the time like once I'm in a place that has a TV with cable, who has cable anymore?
0: <laughs> old fashioned. Marcy enters the house and we hear Buck slamming stuff. It sounds like he's either. Having sex with someone or he's hurting someone. I can't quite decide yet. She tries to peek into the room to see who's in there. The dog comes up and barks, which makes her scream. Buck comes out and she pulls pepper spray on him. And he has to explain that he's the brother-in-law. Marcy's a little awkward here. JD, what what did you think of this scene with her?
1: She's both awkward and she is ready to be.
0: My name is Uncle Buck. Take it from there. And I'm here to beak. I thought you were going to do your mute button.
1: No. I'm I'm sorry. Is there a better word that rhymes with buck than
0: beak? Like, it's a slant rhyme. Buck, beak, buck, beak, buck, beak. Okay. You got it. So we're at the bowling alley next. JD, we've done a couple bowling movies lately. How would you rate Buck's bowling form here? Ugh. With this first ball that he throws, like with his approach, and he does
1: the shimmy. I'm like, Bucker, how serious are you? You've got, and for what it's worth, I believe his shirt says Kingpins, by the way. Previous episodes nice catch. He he comes Manhattan with his stroke. He's yeah. a right-handed bowler. He comes on the left side of the pins, and y- you cannot consistently do that. You need to take. One board, maybe one and a half boards to your right, Uncle Buck. And try to hit that head pin and drive the ball three and then over. You really are a serious bowler. I'm not good at it, but I love it.
0: Nice. I would have to, if I'm given the the best bowler award, I'm still going to have to go with Bill Murray from Kingpin. I think he had the best stroke. What do you think?
1: Okay, so we're doing this. I would say Randy Quaid has a better stroke,
0: but I think Bill Murray has a better follow through. Okay. Duly noted. And you can check out our bowling episodes. We've done Kingpin. We've done Big Lebowski. Just check them out in our archives. So Tia's sitting there. She meets a guy named Hal. He offers the buyer a beer. He's got a pretty nice little shiner on his eye, too. He's got a toothpick in his mouth, and he's really trying to put the moves on Tia. She's mostly just ignoring him. Buck sees him and makes his way over. He says, hey, pal, but you got a game? You're not going to game. Strike's over here. Get out of here. He pushes him off. Buck's friend Raj comes over. E. Raja Caldwell. He tells Buck he's been looking for him. He's been checking car trunks for his uh, corpse. He wants to know if Shanice is here. He says, I gotta hand it to her for not marrying you. Tia smiles, knowing that Buck is hiding something from her. Buck and Raj walk into his office, aka just away from Tia. And Raj tells him, This score that's coming up will have your whole year covered. He's gotta meet with him on Friday night at the racetracks. After Buck sits back down, Tia wants to know what a Shanice is. She says, Well, he says, Well, that's my girlfriend, somebody. Um, that I've been together with for a while. And she says, she asked if they're supposed to get married. Buck says it's come up a few times. And then Tia says, maybe if you got married, you'd quit being such an asshole. JD, what'd you think of this scene?
1: I think this is uncle Buck. Like if there's a definitive scene to his character for him to come upon a, a fellow gentleman. And we know like he, he knows pal, like, Hey pal, what are you doing here? Get back over there. Mind you, Buck is from the city. He's out in the burbs. So to like run into people at a bowling alley, his circle runs thick.
0: Well, I would assume that he took him to the city. That was my impression.
1: Oh, see, I took it the other way, but uh, that makes a great point. And that's what I want to get into. when old boy comes up and he goes like, and dude looks like Fisher Stevens for what it's worth. I, when we get into short circuit, like I'm so excited for that future episode, and it's like, oh, um, you know, Buck, like we were, ch- <laughs> I love it. We were checking the trunks of cars for you. Yeah, like how shady is Uncle Buck's life that his friends are like, we haven't seen you for your, for a few days, so we've been down by the river checking trunks of Buicks. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. There's he's definitely doing something shady. Uh, The next scene here, he's not doing anything shady. He's actually making the best looking pancake I've ever seen. He's got a shovel to help him flip it. I never noticed this part, but after watching it back right before he flips it, he says, this is where you separate the men from the boys. Miles and Maisie come running down the stairs. Buck has streamers coming from the ceiling. He blows that party gimmick thing and then he tells miles you should have seen the toast i couldn't even get it through the door so jd what do you think of the pancake scene here does this not look like the most delicious giant pancake heaven that you've ever seen
1: i've never been to pancake heaven you should but i again you know obviously you had many many better experiences as a child than i did don't hold it i don't lower it against you
0: i did get to go to denny's and get a short stack they have a short stack at denny's oh you just get the water and crackers my fault well
1: you add the lemons the water and then the sugar packets and you have a lemonade there you go you spiced it up that a boy <laughs> it's free um to me like this is one of like the pancake scene from Uncle Buck, like love this movie. Have seen this movie. You know the pancake scene. But like when, as rewatching this movie, seeing Macaulay Culkin's face when he walks in to see the streamers, to see the pancake party, to you're, you call it pancake heaven, it blew me away. Like I never picked up on like how like Uncle Buck just wins him over in this scene. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin is forever in John Candy, Uncle Buck's pocket because of what he does for him here. And this plays into
2: the next scene. What's the matter? You don't like clowns? Yeah, about five years ago. I was so bored to make me puke. I got this, the Screw them, that's all I get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Puda, the clown. Put it there. We what <laughs> the Kids will love that. I did naughty and my sister-in-law did. She's not here right uh-huh. now. I'm looking after them. I'm the uncle. Uh, yeah. Buck Russell's the name. All right, Great. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm uh, late. Uh, I was at this all-night bachelorette party. Hey, you did any dildo jokes? <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> what you? What did you have? A few drinks this morning? Huh? Like, I think you did, didn't you? What are you, Mother Cabrini? You never touch this stuff? No, 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 but I I, I wouldn't be drinking if I was going to entertain some kids. Hey, I don't have to take any shit from you. You know I am? In the field of local live home entertainment. Oh, my God! Get in your mouse and get out of here. Hey, you, uh, let me tell you something, you low-life, lying, <laughs> four-flushing sack of shit. <laughs>
0: all right jd what do you think of this scene
1: the honk makes it
0: right yeah like, I, I like he, the, the honk yeah and, and, and then you know buck just kind of going right at him like know, hey, would you have a few drinks and he's like he's not buying it at all
1: yeah he's it's <laughs> So Uncle Buck goes through a great progression as a character throughout this movie, like hands down, like the the name of the movie is Uncle Buck. And we see him from the children's eyes in many scenes where, you know, we're like, oh, we don't want to eat that breakfast. Like, oh, my gosh, his car is disgusting. He embarrasses me in front of my boyfriend. But I feel like this is the first time where, as an adult watching this movie, I'm like, wow, he really has the children's heart at his best interest. As a, as a father, would that, I feel like that would be your response to seeing a drunk-ass porno clown coming into your child's
0: birthday. If you need dildo jokes, I'm your guy. Hey! Nope, nope. nope. Exactly. I need Ronald McDonald and
1: cheeseburgers. Take your dildo jokes and get your ass on the curb. Bite the curb for what it's worth. Edward Norton, do some business.
0: <laughs> nice. Next, Tia and Bug are at the bonfire party. Bug is pressuring her to go to his car. Tia is very reluctant. I think this is the first crack in her tough exterior armor. She finally agrees to go with him when we hear Buck's engine fire. Tia comes out and tells him that I told you I'd be home at 10 o'clock. Buck "Buck," says he didn't say anything about going home. He just wanted to know if she wanted to go with them to get some ice cream. He then goes into a lengthy explanation about how he has a hatchet. He says, you know, I've been known to be able to shave the hair off a gnat with that thing. You're not a gnat, are you, Bug? Wait a minute. Bug? Nat? I don't know. Buck goes over to his trunk and opens it up, pulls out his shiny hatchet. Bug tells her she better split. She says he's all talk. She makes out with Bug, which pisses off Buck before she gets into the car. The next day, actually let's stop there for a second before we get into the uh, principal scene. JD, any thoughts on the scene here with Bug and Tia at the bonfire here?
1: This is One of the formative scenes that like sticks out in my mind from when I saw this movie as a child to when I watched it, you know, in college to when I watched it now. Dude, Uncle Buck is brutal with that, his hatchet, the way he describes that he's going to like skin off of his elbows and his knees and like that always like I have nightmares of this scene. If there's like I would give no credit to my parents for me being a for me being an upstanding gentleman to women. No, all credit goes to Uncle Buck. Like the reason why I'm not creepy with women is because I never want to experience this.
0: Yeah. So next day, Buck arrives at the elementary school. I don't think I ever noticed this before, but if you watch, he pulls all the way up to the front door on the sidewalk, just right up to the door. He enters the school smoking a cigar. He's about to exhale when he finally realizes, oh, shit, I'm in a school. So he goes to the bathroom to exhale the smoke and he has to pee. So there's a funny scene of him having to take a knee so he can take a piss in the urinal. And then Buck meets the principal next. This is my favorite scene of the movie. We're going to listen to the whole thing. It's a little bit of a longer clip, but let's take a listen. I'm Anita Horgarth. Fuck
2: melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor. My my growth. My uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart. Just old Buck Wart Russell—that's what they call me—or uh, melanoma head. They'll call me that. Melanoma head's coming. I'm sorry, uh, uncle Maisie Russell's uncle. I'm her uncle. <laughs> her uh, her mother uh, set up this conference with you.
1: I'm assistant
2: principal here, as you've probably noticed from the indications on the door. This door. The outer door. The outer door. Yes. Because there's nothing on this one.
1: (laughs) That's just about
2: enough of that. Sorry. I've been an educator for 31.3 years, and in that time, I've seen a lot of bad eggs. I say eggs because at the elementary level, we are not dealing with fully
1: developed individuals.
2: I see a bad egg when I look at your niece. She is a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. She is a jabber box. And frankly, I don't think she takes a thing in her life or her career as a student seriously. She's only six that is not a valid excuse I hear that every day and I dismiss it I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart and I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously I don't have a college degree I don't even have a job (laughs) does anyone have a
0: special story to tell a class about something that happened this week Maisie my uncle was microwaving my socks and a dog threw up on the couch for about an hour. Honest? Yes. Why was your uncle microwaving your socks?
2: He can't get the goddamn washing machine to work. Blasphemer! But I know a good kid when I see one. Because they're all good kids. Until dried-out, brain-dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. You so much as scowl at my niece. Or any other kid in this school, and I hear about it, and I'm coming looking for you. Take this quarter. Go downtown, and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam.
0: All right, J.D., what do you think of this scene here? This is your favorite scene in the movie, right? It is, by far.
1: Like, it's... In the trailer, in clips, in every article that like talks about Uncle Buck, and I think, again, like it lends to the progression of Uncle Buck's character. Like we see him initially as a layabout, going to a late restaurant diner, eating food, drinking, smoking. He he doesn't care, right? No, right. he he cares. And he lays the smack down
0: on an old lady in the scene. Yeah. And to top it off, the ending is just so perfect. Here's a quarter. Have a rat. Gnaw that thing off your face. Is it's that the, an improvised line? I hope so. I, like, I didn't I, read the, that it was, but I would hope it was. I, I feel like the
1: scene happened and then John Candy reaches into his pocket has a quarter he's like boom there you go there's a quarter <laughs> gnaw that shit off and i freaking saw a rat in the metro this morning like
0: that's a that's great advice yeah so i i i'm noticing that you know and you've talked about this already the pattern here of buck really going the bat for each one of these kids one by one you know he's Throwing the party with Miles. He beats up the clown. You know, he's stopping to check on Tia at the bonfire right before she's about ready to go have sex in her car. And now here he is with Maisie um, ripping apart the vice principal for calling her a dreamer. It's, it's a really nice progression. I know we'll get more responses on the end, though. But I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Um, so Shanice is listening to a voice message from Buck. He's telling her that he really misses her. I thought this was uh, an interesting scene. I don't know how much it accomplishes here, but it's basically, you know, Buck being like, yeah, I really miss your cute dimples on your butt. Then he's, he named her butt cheeks and then he names her boobs. what do you think of this scene here? This didn't do much for me. See, I disagree. Like,
1: I think this is a great scene that shows, you know, from where he was, at the beginning of the movie where he couldn't commit, he couldn't provide, he couldn't offer her anything. But now he's realizing that there's more to life than not having a job, smoking, drinking, eating, like all of the temptations and vices of life. And all of a sudden he's like, you know what matters? The dimples on your butt cheeks. Like, I think it's, it's a very subtle scene. And I, I love that you, watched it as a throwaway but in terms of like the narrative of the movie i think this is a very critical scene that shows him opening up and exposing himself to the person that is most critical and objective to him oh that's a good point he is wide open right now to the person that he just Uh, I feel like if he ordered a pastrami sandwich, she would be like, why didn't you get the Reuben? Why didn't you get the
0: ham? Like, you know, like he's being so vulnerable to her right now. Yeah, good points. The next scene cuts the buck getting a cat from outside. He puts the cat inside and yells, hey, who let the cat out? And we hear Miles say, we don't have a cat. And he's like, get out of here, you stupid cat. (laughs) Kicks it back out. Uh, the so phone
1: I mean,
2: for, for <laughs> me, I,
1: I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Like, I think this is a great scene, but I think this scene could be done without.
0: Yeah. This is another throwaway scene. It's, for a, me too. it's, it's, it's hilarious, but like, okay. Uh. Yeah. Your, your comments make a lot more sense here. Cause the next part is the phone ringing and it's Shanice calling for Buck. So that message kind of won her back over But Tia answers and says he's not here right now. And she says that she's out. He's out with Marcy, the lady from across the street. And they usually stay out really late. And Shanice is like stunned. She's not even saying anything. And then Tia hangs up and she's got this sadistic smile on her face. And then it fades away and you can see like some regret there. Did you pick up on that?
1: Yes, I did. And I feel like her. Sort of apprehension has been building. Like, even back to like the first initial breakfast scene, I feel like she's really testing out Uncle Buck. Like she drinks the coffee and he's like, Oh, you drink coffee. And she's kind of like, I don't know how you're gonna respond. And he puts down the breakfast and she's like, You know what? I'm gonna push the boundaries. I'm not gonna eat, I'm not gonna touch. You know she's hungry. Come on. Yeah, and for what it's worth, you know, breakfast is the most important meal in the day. And if you don't believe me, ask Leslie Nope or Ron Swanson. Breakfast is literally the definition of starting a day. She knows.
0: I thought you were going to say something funny like ask Count Chocula or Captain Crunch.
1: No, Kyle, I'm sorry. I'm an adult.
0: Oh, bullshit. You eat cereal. Yeah, I do. I know, That's what I I know you do. <laughs> I know. You're, pop, you're Pop-Tarts and cereal. You're going to fool me here. Every single day.
1: <laughs> if so- I could afford it, <laughs> if I had the time to go to eat a, a balanced breakfast in the morning, I would. But I can't. So Pop-Tart in one pocket, a Toaster Strudel in, in another, and then a handful of uh, shredded mini-wheats.
0: There you go. So we have a montage of Buck next. He's doing some laundry. He's baking the socks and underwear in the oven. Marcy shows up. She says, is there a big sexy guy in here? Buck says, please, God, tell me it's not true. He explains to her that the dryer is still broken. Marcy says, you're bored out of your mind. You need some adult supervision. Marcy gets Buck to dance in the next scene here. He's a little reluctant. Shanice arrives at the house. The doorbell rings a few times, but they can't hear it because the music's too loud. Marcy starts knocking knees with Buck here. He says, what is that, dirty dancing? And he starts kind of giving her like a hip toss type of thing and like bringing her head in and out. And then they headbutt. Shanice enters the house and she can hear Marcy and Buck dancing. Marcy's the first to notice her. She stops dancing and stares at her. Buck just keeps on dancing and eventually stops. And he tries to introduce Marcy to Shanice, but she cuts him off and says, Marcy. She's the next-door neighbor, the one you were out with last night. Buck says, I wasn't out last night. And she won't let him finish. She doesn't let him explain. She runs out of the house and skids out of the driveway. And Buck goes back inside and says, party's over. JD, anything you want to add here before we get to the scene with Tia kind of spilling the beans? This is
1: a tragic scene for Buck. Because, like, as we've mentioned, he's slowly building up to be a positive character and impact on the children's life and we're left to reel at the repercussions of him being hoed out you know for for what old girl thought that he was trying to you know portray upon her like that it's 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 tragic it's I don't know. I, again, watching this as an adult, I'm like, oh, no, Uncle Buck, no,
0: you're not in this position. Like, oh, this sucks for you. So later in the evening, Tia wants to know if she can go out tomorrow night since her parents are going to be coming back home and Grandpa's okay. Buck says, you know, once your parents are back home, you can go nuts, but you're not going out. Tia yells at him, who are you trying to score points with? My parents. Haven't even had you over to our house until they ended up Shit's Creek and out of luck. She asked if he had a bad day today as well. And then she says, it sucks when someone screws with your life, doesn't it? Buck doesn't say anything. He just turns and walks away. And uh, the last scene here of that night is Buck drinking in the next scene. And he's having a bit of a pity party. And he says, tomorrow, everything will be better. Tomorrow, we go to the track and we're going to win some serious dough. J.D., what do you think of this scene here?
1: So my response to this scene will play into what I'll probably tag into in the following scene. Um, And my question to you, have you ever joined your parents at the track before?
0: I've actually never been to a horse track.
1: Oh, good man. (laughs) So I'm assuming you've never been to a dog track. You think horse tracks are bad. You've never gone to a dog track. Yeah. Uh, That's my response to this scene. Great times being dragged to Wisconsin to go to the Greyhound track. Yikes. Uh, Yikes is right. We didn't even get to go to freaking Kenosha or Geneva or... Any of the other bullshit places in Wisconsin? No, we're going to the dog track over the border. Here's seventy five cents.
0: Play the Simpsons arcade in the corner. Welcome to Kenosha. Would you like some cheese curds? Yes, I I would. Of Wisconsin, yeah, cheese. Good cheese. I don't know. Oh, and brats. Yeah, cheese, brats, sausage. They're all over in Wisconsin. Anyway, the next day, Tia leaves for school early. She tells Miles and Maisie she will see them on Sunday. Miles says, wait, what day is it? Maisie says, Friday. She tells him to tell Uncle Buck that he lost and he'll know what it means. We see Buck waiting at the school for Tia. She never shows. He arrives back at the house. Miles and Maisie are doing their homework at the table. Miles hears the car go off and says, Hubie's home. Buck is explaining that his whole year is based off of tonight. He says, I have no choice. I have to take you with me tonight. I don't care what your parents think. This is what I got to do. They ask where? He says to a racetrack. Miles asks if they're going to win some serious coin. Buck wants to know if Bug picked her up. And they say yes. She, she said she'll be back on Sunday. Buck gets into the car. is having a major dilemma on what he should do. And he looks back at the kids. And then we see the phone ringing next. And Shanice answering. And Buck is going to ask her to do him a favor. It's not about him. It's about the kids. She's kind of confused, but she agrees to help him. And she says, you know, but between, you know, us, me and you, that's over. Buck says, well, that's how it's got to be. For what it's worth, I'm sorry. JD, what do you think of these two or three scenes here?
1: Once again, we see Uncle Buck in a tragic light. Like, we see the building decline of his character what that means for himself, for his family, for his friends, for his loved ones. Like, I don't know, like, again, like, the reason why I love Back in Time Pod, for those of you that are new, for those of you that are returning, it's an opportunity to watch and rewatch movies that we experienced in our youth and then see them as an adult. My gosh, I'm, I'm crying for Uncle Buck. Right? It's, it's a powerful scene. You you got to feel bad for him. Like, there's so much that goes into it. And I feel like there's potential for an Uncle Buck prequel. And I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There was an Uncle Buck TV series at one point. Is there any connection between...
0: I refused to watch it. I thought it looked like dog shit and that they got so far from the story i had zero interest but it's supposed to be connected right i have no idea i saw the first trailer and i went hell no my
1: point being i think that uncle buck is a tragic figure on many levels and especially like given the turmoil in america Like, to say you're taking somebody from the Midwest and showing them in this, like, growing light between his bullshit and his bowling and his lady and his betting and then his family? There needs to—I don't know, maybe there's a Roseanne spinoff Uncle Buck episode. (laughs) I, I think, right, that fits the narrative.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. We have Shanice arriving at the house next. She knocks on the door. Miles opens the little mail drop in the door. Um, From my research, and we talked about this in Interesting Facts, but this is the scene that gave John Hughes the idea for Home Alone. Shanice explains who she is, and then Miles says, Can you please see your driver's license? She gets it out, and he says, "Uh, Can you take it out of the purse? And she's like, Out of the purse? What did you think of this scene here? I love the
1: connection between Macaulay Culkin's character, John Hughes and home alone. Like, I don't know. Like this is, this is like my, my favorite bar drop story. Like I, I mentioned this earlier, like to be able to say like, you know, uncle Buck, you know, home alone, but do you know, and this scene just encapsulates the, uh, the potential of what home alone is and represents like, I just, it's so great. And he has so much power and any article that you can read that like looks at Marvin and Harry and their relationship with Kevin McAllister and the brutality that he just like slays upon them. And then to look back and to be like, it, it stems from a, a, a little slot and a door in Uncle Buck. That's America, Which my They man.
0: also use in Home Alone where he points the BB out, the BB gun out, and shoots uh, Mar right in the nuts.
1: Exactly. Good points. Good points.
0: Love it. Bug arrives at the party. We see Buck arrives at the party and we see Bug rubbing the back of some girl. We assume it's Tia because we can't really tell who it is, but it's a long haired, dark. Uh, He enters the party. Someone immediately steals his hat and then gives him a different one. He keeps asking if anyone has seen a bug around here. I'm Tia Russell's uncle. Buck is dancing his way through the party. He gets back to the bedroom and we see the girl in there. She says, please stop. Back downstairs, Buck runs into the guy that took his hat. He grabs it back off of his head. And then we hear a knock at the door. Bug says, hey, this room's taken. The door handle wiggles again. Bug yells, hey, if that door opens, I'm going to kick someone's ass. The door finally does open, and it's Buck holding a screwdriver. He flips on the light, and when we see the light comes on, the girl sits up in the bed, and it's not Tia. Buck thinks for a second, and then he smirks, shuts off the light, and turns back on his power gun. What do you think of this quick scene here? (laughs) Again,
1: like... I don't know i love looking and observing and witnessing the growth of buck's character and to see like him walk into this room and to be like that's not my niece
0: mm-hmm.
1: so in this moment he's not buck and he's not here to
0: sleep
1: <laughs> and <laughs> but to witness bug like as a bug so everything that like, we're hoping to like root for Buck about is true. Bug is a bug.
0: We've got Tia walking down the street next. Buck pulls up alongside her. She turns and looks at him, but keeps on walking. So he gets a little bit ahead of her and gets out of his car. And they finally have a good moment here. So when she turns and looks at him, it's obvious that she's been crying. She says, you were right. Everything you said would happen, happened. Buck says he doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to get her home. As they're driving, Tia says, is this a trick? No, no trick. Do you know what happened? Yeah, I do. He tells her that he's not going to tell her parents what's been going on, and she appreciates that. He says, you know, I've been riding your butt all week about how you live your life, but maybe someone should have been riding mine. I know you're probably the last person on earth who wants to help me, but I need your help with Shanice. I've been stringing her along for eight years now. I need to figure out what the hell's the matter with me. I've done such a great job of earning your trust and respect, which makes Tia laugh. I'm confused at why I can't do the same with Shanice. Tia smiles at him. You know, there's one family charity case that loves you very much. Tia says she's sorry. Fuck tells her there's nothing to be sorry about. I'm just glad I got a chance to get to know you again. Tia asks if. asks he did anything to Buck. He just smiles and she says, oh my God, what'd you do? And we're gonna get to this next scene here. But what did you think of this moment here with Tia and Uncle Buck?
1: Buck has gone through so much. His nieces, his nephews. This movie is like, a, it's, there's ups and downs. And like this is kind of like the apex of moments between an uncle and his brother's daughter to like build them. Like, if, if, like, this is, it's a bridge to like provide them a lifetime of moments to be like, remember that time when I was stupid in high school and you tied up that freaking stalker and threw him in the back of the truck? This is like, this is the end all be all of that. I, do you have that? I think every family has that with, like, certain family members.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and I love the, like, the ending of this scene here. So Buck opens the trunk of the car, and we see a tied up and gagged Bug. He says he would like to have him apologize to the lady. Bug yells, I'm sorry. You hear that, asshole? I'm sorry. Buck says, you know, I'm an amateur dentist. And Bug is like, oh, shit. Buck helps him out of the trunk. And he really just, like, throws him on the ground. Bug says as they pull off, yeah, come back. I'll kick your ass, man, you chicken shit. You're dead. Buck goes into reverse. Of course, Bug starts running away. He opens up the trunk. And he uh, grabs out a five wood. He drops the ball on the ground. And he swings and hits him right in the back of the head. Buck starts yelling at him again. Or, say, Bug starts yelling at him again. And then Buck drops a second ball, and then we cut to uh, the house here. But what do you think of this scene here with Buck kind of getting taken care of here by Uncle Buck? You are a golfer. I am. How tricky would it be to
1: wind up and nail the ball and whack Buck right in the back of the skull? Like, is that he's, a difficult? He's
0: close enough where it's very doable. I, he probably would not get him on the first shot in real life, but he's close enough where you could get drilled with a ball pretty easy.
1: And would that, like, send him, like, I feel like that's a concussion.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that ball comes off the club, you know, 100 miles an hour. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to knock you out.
1: Mm, I trust
2: you.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a great scene. And we cut to the the house now. And Tia and Shanice are having a one-on-one conversation. Shanice says, I appreciate your confession. Tia says, Yeah, you know, I just really think you know he'd make an amazing father and husband. Shanice is like, You do? Tia said, He's changed since he's been here. He's responsible, caring, loving, energetic. We see Buck listening on the outside door, kind of mimicking the words. He's obviously coached her through this. But then he starts coughing. And Shanice says, did he by any chance put you up to this? And she makes her way over to the door and kicks it open. Buck dodges the door the first time, but she kicks it a second time. And that one catches him right in the face and sends him flying backwards. Buck says, I have told you I loved you, you know. It wasn't just for tires. Now that time it was for shocks, remember? What'd you think of that scene? (laughs) I love the part
1: when he like is listening outside the door and then like shields himself and then just gets bam hit by the boomerang from the door. Like, I don't know, like John Candy is an amazing comedian and the way that he mixes tangible and physical comedy with his jokes and his, just wait, are you saying that? Wait, are what? Like that. Like, his stutter comedy, and then his, I don't know, like, that's like the culmination of, I don't know, it's the exclamation point on this movie, to see that, like, in that moment, like, you are getting the love verified to the woman that you want to be with, and the result is, boink! (laughs) Door to the schnoz.
0: So we have Buck and Shanice are talking next about how cute the kids are. She says, these kids, they're just beautiful children. What happened to you? It's a recessive genius. It skips every nine generations, and I got it. She says, you know, this isn't so bad. You know, the house, the kids, the family. He agrees, and then they take off running toward the bedroom, and I always thought, what are they running from? And then I never noticed it's Miles and Maisie chasing after them they're playing like hide and seek or tag Ooh. or something so i thought that was a cool scene that's a good point because i always watch it. i
1: always watch the scene as what are they running to right i finally I, get it yeah i, I yeah I, I don't know like i think that our both of our interpretations are like spot on like they're both running from and they're running to
0: yeah good point now we're coming up on the ending here so the next day Cindy and Bob return home. Tia is standing there waiting for her mom to come in. Buck, Shanice, and the kids are in the other room. Buck tells the kids to be quiet. Tia needs to talk with her mom and work some stuff out. Um, They get face to face. And I think her mom's like, oh boy, what am I coming home to? She looks angry. And instead, she gets a hug from Tia. Cindy says, it's going to be real different now, I promise. And then Tia says, I love you. Or Cindy says it'll be real different. Um, Buck, who's listening closely, has his hand up on the pots and pans above the oven. And he knocks down every single pan in the kitchen. And the scene ends with him going, ah, shit. So we have Buck leaving next. Let's listen to the end of the film here. <laughs> oh,
2: this is heavy. downtown. Maybe we can uh, go out for a coffee. Okay. We really had a good time. I know it's it kind of ridiculous. We did leave the house oh, a little geez. messy. We did try our best. You know, we're not so good at doing that. Me- what? We're going home. We're not dying. Okay. I'm saying goodbye. Is that all right? right all right. Nice guy. You see, listen, tell the neighbors we're really sorry about having that thing parked in the driveway. Always. You know, he's getting a new company car on Monday. Hell, I am. The beast is good for another hundred thousand miles. Yeah, well, it's too bad to hear that. That's funny, Shanice. That's really good. You see what I put up with? And don't drive fast.
0: I'm fixing any more tickets for you. There you go. So that's going to be the end of the scene of Buck looking back at Tia and just kind of smiling at her as we get the credits rolling. JD, thoughts on the ending of the movie here? And I don't know if you picked up on this, but that's the first time we hear Uncle Buck refer to the car as the Beast. Ooh, good
1: catch by you. I most certainly did not catch that. Um, My thoughts on the end of the movie, like, I love John Hughes. I love the way that he spins a narrative and then ties it. Like, at the end of the movie, imagine a string being pulled tight and that's the end of uncle buck like the story oh, like is it. cleaned up like he does a fantastic job of weaving and unraveling and bringing us in and pushing us and like challenging us and then at the end we get the end and that's uncle buck and that's i i love the i love this film for that reason it's just the tale of uncle buck this is one week in his life.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great coming of age story. And and I like that it it really is coming of age for two different characters, too. Between Buck and Tia, and their different issues that they have with the family, separate issues. But I think the movie has aged really well. I still think it has a lot of charm, it's got a lot of heart. It doesn't feel terribly dated, but that's just because there's really no technology used. It's just story and storytelling at its best, which is what I love about John Hughes.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I love everything that you just said. Like you, you hit the nail right on the head.
0: All right. So that's going to wrap it up for Uncle Buck. Let's preview next week. On Monday, we're going to be discussing the trailer for American Pie. And then on Wednesday, we'll have the full review of American Pie. JD, what do you look forward to most when we get into the teaser trailer on Monday for American Pie?
1: We are looking at a formative movie for anyone born between probably 1984 to 1991. This is a film that showed you what high school is supposed to be like. And you try to achieve those goals, whether it's ship break or whether you're joining Glee Club or you are a stiffler lever level athlete. Like <laughs> oof, American Pie just sets the scope of of high school from that period.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to discuss, you know, both of our experiences and see who's is closer to the movie. We're talking milfs and it's just it's one of my favorite movies i think if you're born in like you said that time period this is probably a movie that you really like i think if you're born before that or after that you might be on the fence we'll we'll see though so we'll be back on monday with that we want to thank all of our listeners for hitting the download button on today's episode again we love discussing Uncle buck i thought it was a great movie good choice by you guys on the pull topic Please rate and review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or YouTube. You can follow us on social media at Back in Time Pod. Our website is backintimepod.wordpress.com, and you can email us at backintimepodcast at gmail.com. JD, it's that time of the episode. It's time to get back into the DeLorean. We will punch in today's date and return back to present day. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. See ya. So when it comes
1: to pancakes, are people typically like to like traditional short stack or is anybody interested in like Swedish pancakes?
2: Grapes. It means your future hasn't been written yet. No one has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Both of you. We will, Doc. Stand back. All right, boys. fuck up.